it's me, it's me, it's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James, and by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass, Billy Gunn, together we are the New Age Outlaws, and you're listening to the VOC Nation, and if you ain't down with that, we've got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star, Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality, Bruce Wirtz. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirtz, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum, The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. <laughs> you will deal with that, Atlas, harshly. Fight forever, Guardian! I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a COVID edition of HIAC. Unfortunately. Talk Radio. I am the above average comedian, Dan Kyle Chico. We are on VOCNation.com. We are on YouTube.com slash DanLaw83. I am on all social media platforms, DanLaw83. Craig Legans, where can people follow you, sir? Oh, they can follow me and uh, my Flyers jersey. They're celebrating the opening win of the season at Craig Legans, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-L-N-S. On Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. And I have my gritty cup ready to go. It was a great opening game. It took them a couple minutes. You know, it's okay. A little rusty. It's okay. A little rusty at the beginning. I, I, I was tell, I'm talking to my Penguins fans, in which I don't have many. Yeah. Fans. Friends. Not fans. Friends. <laughs> of which I don't have many. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was telling me, uh, well, that started off as a back and forth, but that didn't last. I said, yeah. And my expression was, yeah, the Penguins dust at the beginning of the game. <laughs> and then by the end of the first, Flyers kind of woke up like, oh, no, that's oh, bad. Yeah. yeah this game or as I like to call it, typical Flyers game. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yes, we're here for professional wrestling. And, uh, exactly. We have uh, just one episode. We're going to stuff it all into one episode. Uh, I, I was trying to think of a... Stuffing joke there, but Craig got it. We're good. Yeah, we're going to stick it in. You know, I was going to stick all, it in all the way in. All the way in. Not just a tip. We're going to give you the whole thing, folks. Yeah. <clears throat> but unfortunately, <laughs> as we're sticking it all in, we uh, are talking about COVID. And I think, what well, is this, technically the 15th outbreak in wrestling? Is that where we're at now? Yeah. Um, the All the um, the safety precautions that are being done, things that are being taken yeah. care of and everything yeah. that can be done will be done. 
But um, when you do things like, oh, I don't know, fly in, very old, uh, autoimmune, um, susceptible people for a one-shot telecast, and you use said people for less than 10 to 30 seconds, you kind of run the risk of having your major people, uh, your stars, i.e. your world champion, even risking catching something from these folks. Um, and for those of you who don't know, and you will, if you watch Monday Night Raw, you already do know our WWE Heavyweight Champion Drew McIntyre uh, currently has COVID. Um, he is being quarantined as we speak. Um, I hope he's okay. And uh, while that takes place in the Performance Center in Florida, in the very same state, on the other side, we found out that uh, Chris Jericho also has that self-same uh, awesome virus. Awesome virus that's uh, making its way throughout the country, crisscrossing the globe, and uh, causing death totals to go up uh, more per day. You know, it's very incredibly sad that um, the number of people that die every day, and it's not even the top story. You know, it's amazing. Well, what, yeah, it's amazing what a little insurrection yeah. will do. Yeah, I was going to say, it's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing where a country uh, takeover would change that. But this is very, but it's it's affecting all sports. It's affecting my favorite basketball team, and it's affecting other teams that are currently playing in the in the NBA. But you know, in wrestling, you're, it is more susceptible because there's not enough protection. You're 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 performing for the most part half naked. You know, you're it's it's um it's a very open an environment. And I don't know the safety precautions that are taken by the WWE, but again, I can only assume this happened when you bring in, you fly in older people, older wrestlers, older, and just putting them in a situation with people that don't have it, and you're running the risk of of somebody catching it. Now, I'm sure the WWE would have, you know, wouldn't have minded if it was a Baron Corbin or you know a a, a Chad Gable, but it's your world heavyweight champion now who's in the middle of a big, you know, wrestle of uh, apologies, Royal Rumble uh, main event against a, a passive prime superstar that in the match that shouldn't happen in the first place. But still, you have a uh, a big, um, I was going to say pay-per-view, huh, uh, to sell. And that kind of puts the, uh, the kibosh on that. I mean, technically, it's a pay-per-view. Still got to sell. Yeah, technically. Yeah. I uh, it, we were kind of discussing this the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, last night on a hockey podcast, it's like as much as I want to see all this, you know, we know people are going to get sick. Yeah. And unless you're in a bubble, it's the way it's going to happen. And I assume that that WWE bubble is not as extensive. As that early NHL bubble uh, last year when they did the playoffs. No. I mean, we've already seen it be complete cluster F in the NBA. Yeah. Now, and the NBA had the most secure bubble of all of all four sports. They didn't have any uh, players uh, come down with COVID Same in the, the NHL. bubble. NHL, the NHL, the NHL, NHL yeah. and the NBA got the bubble figured out. Down, and I'm sure because once they go in the playoffs, they're going back into a bubble. Yeah. You know, unless everybody's checked with a vaccine. <laughs> Yeah, um, which would be awesome. Which uh, we'll—I'll get to that off here. Um, mm-hmm. 
But once they're in the bubble, that's not that's no longer a problem. It's been proven it'll work. But you, you never know. You never know. And as far as wrestling, it's been like the 13th time there's been a collection of uh, talent that has gotten sick, talent or staff. And yeah, I was explaining last night on the hockey show, like on all the way of the puck available on youtube.com slash Dan or go to twitter.com slash Opay Puck Show. Follow us. Um, I guess it's part of COVID fatigue where uh, my mind is telling me this is a bad idea. They should take a break. This is risking too much. There's a lot of people that are fine after, but there's a lot of people who get sick that are fine when they're sick, and then after they're sick, they have long-term issues. I use my friend who's in fantastic shape. Uh, she got sick, and she's been having stabbing headaches every single day for six months after. Ouch. Um, and I think generally, again, uh, I'd probably be okay. Kelly would probably be okay. I'm mm-hmm. still worried a little bit about it because I'm in such great shape. <laughs> but, you know, it's not something – it's the after effects that scare me more Yeah. than getting it, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just, I don't know. It's like, I want to see, I want to watch wrestling. I want to watch hockey. I want to watch basketball. Baseball, uh, John Middleton took me out of baseball. I don't really care. Um, <laughs> my point is, is part of me is like, yes, thank you. I'm glad this is back. The other part of me is real, mm-hmm. like not taking it for granted kind of thing. It's the best I can explain it. As right. much as I want to see it, you know, as much as Jericho and I don't agree, I'm a nobody. It doesn't matter. <laughs> trust me. Uh, I don't want to see the guy get sick. No. I, I, I don't want to see Drew McIntyre get sick. I don't want to see anybody get sick. I don't. Call me the bleeding heart liberal. I don't care. Mm. I don't want to see uh, – if it works out, I'm, I'll be happy. But mm. at the same time, if they're agreeing to do this, we know this is going to happen. Yeah. Do we get out of our Goldberg <laughs> Drew McIntyre match now? Please. Please. Is there one thing that comes from this is getting rid of that? Maybe I have one more jackhammer left in me. Oh, no. no. Didn't you have a jackhammer in you like five years ago when you came back against Brock? Wasn't that it? Wasn't that well, your I saw the last match he was in, and he certainly didn't have a jackhammer in him there. No, and I'm still having nightmares about how he almost killed The Undertaker or how they almost killed each other in the Far East, so I'd rather not have to do that again. Hey, uh, Rick Flair's going to date Lacey, huh? Uh, my friend Muzz, and I know he doesn't listen, but I had to give him a shout-out. Uh, well, he listened last week um, because I was on a rant. But my friend Muzz had a picture of um, Anna Nicole Smith and her uh, 88-year-old husband and said, I'm going to tell my kids this is Lacey Evans and Rick Flair. <laughs> very good. I like that. That's very good. I don't know why or this is a thing. Or why it has to be a thing at all um, between these two? I we they tried the pusher with Lacey Evans before, um, didn't really work. Nothing against Lacey. Um, I just don't see her as a uh, viable a women's champion or a women's threat. She's got great size. And as we know she doesn't work as a face. We already know that. Try, try that and fail. But um, 
I don't know. The, the NXT curse goes for the tag teams and singles men and goes to the singles women, too. So every woman has been called up from the NXT, save for Sasha, Bailey, and Charlotte, and Asuka, for the most part, um, don't fare well. I, Lacey looks so good, and, and the presentation, and I have such high hopes for Lacey, and I feel mm-hmm. as you. It's like every time I'm like, Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> I really wish that would work out. Well, that that spot when when Charlotte was gone, and when when Becky was gone, the spot should have gone to Rhea Ripley. Yeah, hey, she's hands down the best female wrestler on earth on any company. The look, the size, her promos, her work in the ring, she's. Uh, there's no one even close to her. So when in the absence of those two big uh, superstar divas, she should have been shot right up to the top, and she could have had that. And she could even have that play. That w- w- if you want to bring Rick back, even have that. Yeah. Get her involved. Get him involved in a feud with with her, and and either either him slapping, either her slapping him and saying. Or even if you want to make play it up, when Charlotte comes back, Charlotte, uh, Rick's turns on Charlotte because Charlotte, while you're away, I found the dirtiest player in the game with Rhea Ripley. She's the one I think is the future of the of this company, not you. Yeah. Rather than the old, you know, I'm still a nature boy, you know, ladies' man Ugh. at 72 years old. Ugh. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I just thought it was out of I I don't know I just thought it was odd. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out going forward. It's extremely odd. Everything on on either show is extremely odd. None of the booking makes sense. I don't have no idea why. Still don't know why during the um, the legends um show randy orton had to berate and humiliate every legend there again for what um i do like him taking the fireball to the face though (sighs) like the fireball never get never get tired of the old fireball i get tired of uh randy orton versus triple versus triple h i get tired of that real fast (laughs) That's, that's another thing that's making me laugh here we are getting news that your champion has COVID, and here's Triple H walking in the door, spitting water all over the place like an asshole. <laughs> like, God damn it. Yeah, that's what the people want to see. We've lost our real champion, so we'll bring back Triple H. The guy made no money except for the guy he was wrestling against. I'm not going to turn in. I'm not going to tune in to see Triple H. No one. T- I didn't tune in to see Triple H back when he was Triple H. I just whenever somebody mentions him now, I just remember that time that Sting came in and mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, you're excited, you know? Who you got for Sting, uh, Triple H?" And I was like, "Not Sting." Yeah. Boy, was I right. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? Right. <laughs> you know, I'm 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 right often. People don't like to admit that, but whatever. <laughs> That's not my not, it's not my problem. Uh, anything else this week in wrestling that this I have missed? In wrestling. Uh, no, uh, outside of those two things. 
um, a very special uh, a new uh, Stone Cold uh, uh, the Skull Session with Stone Cold Steve Austin is a special guest Bailey. Very oh, enlightening. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't watched it yet, but I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. Yes, and um, for those of you, um, WWE on their network, three very uh, great specials, a uh, tribute to to Brody Lee, and to Luke Harper, and some of his best matches are now available on the WWE network, with the Wyatt family uh, versus the Shield, and him as a solo. So uh, WWE. A very great job and a very um, touching tribute to uh, to Brody Lee and to Luke Harper. I found it interesting the uh, and, and it was annoying and sickening at the same time where this battle about who had a better better tribute for the dead guy mm-hmm. was happening. But I found it interesting. That, much as I would take the opportunity to always crap on Vince, mm-hmm. they were damned if they did, damned if they didn't. Yeah, if they would have done the tribute. The same night as AW, they would have been damned for doing it the same night at the company he was currently working for at the time. Right. And waiting, they were damned. Mm-hmm. Damned if they did. Damned if they didn't. Yeah. But see, I, di- I didn't damn them for not doing it on the same night as AEW. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, he didn't work for the WWE at the time. And he was a current employee for, for AEW. And it's like we all love the man, so we don't have to compete over who loved him more or who has a better produced package. Of exactly how it came off to me. Yeah. Who liked him more? Yeah. I, and the wife's like, yeah, you know, I just lost my husband. Can we uh, start with the yeah. dick measure? Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. But if the, Yeah, but if there was someone who damned WWE for not having it on the same day, it wasn't me. And I certainly didn't have any problem. We knew he wasn't going to be ignored. And he wasn't, you know, plenty of, of wrestlers, you know, even heels broke um, kayfabe to talk about how much they love Brody Lee. Uh, Randy Orton's tribute was very touching to him, so was Bray Wyatt's. Um, and people, guys broke down, New Day broke down on um, on yeah. WWE's, right? And so it's yeah. very real. So um, in that case, I don't, when, in something like that, um, and the last time I saw something like that was uh, when Eddie passed. You know, the WWE did something, and TNA, you know, uh, the Dudleys and Rhino all gave a tribute to uh, to Eddie before their uh, before their matches. Because guys like that are beloved, where with all the guys, with all the boys, with everyone they touched, um, it's it's rare. And while we can't do anything about the current project, Dan, we can talk about when wrestling was great or near great, or at least better than whatever the hell they're putting out on TV now is. So uh, let's mind the black and white screen, shall we? Because we're going to take a trip back in the Wayback Machine, back when titles were called belts, back when there was professional wrestling in all 50 states, and people could huddle with each other without fear of uh, disease or reprisals. Uh, back when sports entertainment was indeed professional wrestling. Uh, there are only two dates that uh, I wanted to bring up this week in pro wrestling history because I think they're one is timely because it still occurs to this day, and one is just uh, just so happened to happen in this week in history that kind of uh, what's happening now kind of uh, 
contemporizes it, if that's a word. But we'll go back to uh, January uh, 13th. Sorry, January 11th. Gosh, January 11th. Today is the 13th. We're talking about Today's the 13th. Today is the 13th. Yeah. Because yes. I, I, only, I only have two dates. One January 11th and one January 13th. Well, yeah, January, I, January 11th, 1993, uh, from the Manhattan Center, okay, with the uh, broadcast team of Vince McMahon, Randy Savage, and Rob Bartlett, with the premiere episode of if I get my Vince McMahon voice here, Monday Night Raw, uncooked, uncensored, unsomething or other. <laughs> but that January 11th, 1993, um, yeah, almost 30 years, the debut of Monday Night Raw, and uh, the matches at the time. Uh, the late great Yokozuna defeated Coco Beware. Uh, Shawn Michaels defeated Max Moon, and the Undertaker pinned Damian Demento. It's funny. I just, uh, you know, in my travels of being uh, chronological WWE, I just passed the. I forgot the date in 1992, but it's Conan, and I actually forgot what they called him. But he's wearing the Max Moon gear, what became Max Moon gear. And it's so fucking odd to see him <laughs> wearing that crap. I think I, 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 think I saw that match because he wrestled a juicer. He wrestled Art Bar in that dark match in the WWF, if I, if I recall. I think that's correct. I, I, yeah. I can't I, – I believe that's correct. I, I, yeah. It was one of those things where I'd be interested to see this. And then it was done. I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, and I forget. I saw and I forget his name too. Uh, but interesting part about that that Monday Night Raw, Dan, uh, the dark match on the very first Monday Night Raw saw the Cheetah Kid defeat Johnny Rotten. Wow. And wow. a year later, Cheetah Kid, who of course is Ted Petty, uh, changed his name to Rocco Rock. Johnny Rotten would change his name to Johnny Grunge and the Public Enemy. Maybe ECW's first superstar tag team, and the only Certainly team that the a, whitest. <laughs> only team that had a bidding war between the WWF and the WCW at the time. Little did they know, both were getting fool's gold. But uh, the Public Enemy, <laughs> Rocco Cheetah Kid, defeated Johnny Rodden. But uh, less than a year later, those same two men would join forces in Philadelphia and form the Public Enemy. The Here comes worst. the hot step. Uh, the worst. Now, I could say he couldn't. I think one of the funniest memories of them it wasn't even them. It was when the the Dudleys came out pretending to be Public Enemy, <laughs> and and Bubba took the mic and, and doing his Johnny Grunge impression. Oh, Rocco, I'm already blown up from dancing. <laughs> And then Devon hits him and goes, shut up, Johnny. We got to play tonight. <laughs> it's amazing. It, it's so funny you mentioned that, but it's amazing to know that, I mean, they got to the WWF and it was a giant cluster F, but yeah. they were so over at ECW. They were so over. And in retrospect, you're like, and not, and, and, uh, you know, you're not, I can't say this really because it's disrespectful to dead. 
Um, but looking back, you're like, oh, man, <laughs> I it's, don't know. The, the signing of Public Enemy. Now, WCW threw the most money at them, so just so the WWF wouldn't get them. Yeah. To, to bring them over, okay? And they won the WCW Tag Team Championship briefly. And uh, then after they got left there. They were so over, though. Yeah. And they went to the WWF. But if anything, Dan, the bidding war for between the WCW and the WWE over Public Enemy showed the booking genius of Paul Heyman. Because if all you saw, if because both Vince and Eric Bischoff saw Public Enemy matches in ECW, saw all the mayhem, saw all the fans going crazy and the tossing in the chairs and stuff like that. All you were seeing was how Paulie booked the public enemy in a match with no chairs. We had to stay in the ring. That's not public enemy. That's not how they were. That's not how they were booked. Public enemy, and no disrespect. Like you said, no disrespect to the dead. No disrespect to to Ted Petty or or Johnny Grunge. Uh, they were smoking mirrors. They were an ECW tag team. And that worked only for ECW. The Dudley Boys could work anywhere. The Public Enemy could only work in ECW. Pretty much, and, yeah. And that's, and that's what we saw. That was that was the booking genius of Paul Heyman. Mikey Whipwreck could work in ECW. Mikey Whipwreck was not going to work in any other company except ECW because of Paul Heyman. And but. January 11th, 1993, it all started at the Manhattan Center in New York City in the shadow of Madison Square Garden, the very first Monday Night Raw. Another significant event happened January 13th today, and I'm going to get to that. But first, Dan, if I may, a little history. Hmm. Please. Yes, it's, it's where I'm setting up. We I have to establish a, a foundation to get to the actual date in question. Um, back in 1958, a wrestler by the name of Roscoe, you like that name? Roscoe, yeah, I wonder why. Roscoe Monroe Brumbaugh uh, was a professional wrestler in Tennessee, and he wanted to make a big name for himself. And he had a good look. He had a, like a voice, like he sounded like he gargled razor blades, and uh, he had a big chest and he dark hair, but he had a white stripe down the side of it. So he had an interesting look, uh, and he wanted to be was making his way for himself in, in Tennessee, but he wanted to be a, a big star. Um. And the thing is, even he wrestled, even though he wrestled in Memphis and Tennessee, uh, during the late 50s, early 60s, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of integration. And one day he was coming to the wrestling uh, arena, and he saw a hitchhiker, and he picked him up. And he was a – turns out it was a man who was going to – wanted to see the wrestling matches. So, yeah, come on in. I'll, I'll take it. And he liked the guy so much, he not only walked him in, he walked him into the ring with him. And but this man was this man was a black man, and he saw the way the crowd reacted to this to Mr. Monroe walking Roscoe walking in with a black man, and the crowd was so incensed 
that they call them, you know, you can only, there's only so many names you can call a white man mm. um, in the South. You can call a black man a lot of stuff, but in the white man in the South, and they call the worst thing they could think to call him. And now this is the late 50s, so it was during the Cold War. Oh boy. So to them, they called him Sputnik because you are worse than a Russian. You associated with a man like this, you're a comrade, you're a Sputnik. And the name stuck. So Sputnik Monroe got his name. Roscoe Monroe Burnbrow was no longer uh, Roscoe. He was Sputnik. Nothing against Roscoe. No, I understand. I understand. Well, well, our dog's an Ottawa Senators fan anyway. He's a enemy. <laughs> well, Roy Lee Welch in Memphis uh, got a TV deal. Got himself a TV studio and got wrestling on TV in Memphis. And he needed a star. And there was Sputnik Monroe on TV talking about all the hillbillies and rednecks in Tennessee. You're just moonshine swilling, beer swilling jerks. You don't have the, you don't even deserve the right to see someone as good as me in the ring. Well, what do you know? The white fans booed him. Couldn't, how dare you make fun of us? But the black fans thought he was great. Thought he was hysterical. <laughs> and the thing about Sputnik Monroe, he wasn't doing that to get black fans. He was just doing that to be a heel. But, of course, he started insulting the people of Memphis, calling them moonshine-swilling redneck What? <laughs> and the thing about Sputnik Monroe, he liked, his, he liked to party. He liked to go out. He liked to drink. He liked to carouse. And the place to do that in Memphis was on Beale Street. thing is, Beale Street back then was in an all-black neighborhood. And if you were white, you didn't go down there. Thing is, Sputnik didn't care, so he went down there. And he started becoming known, especially because of his heel promos against the ignorant fans in Memphis. He became a celebrity among uh, the black crowds when he would go wrestle and they would go see him. They'd see him on, they watched him on TV and they, you know, he, they, you know, he'd come down to uh, Beale Street, you know, once a week. So after the matches, and they couldn't wait to hang out with him. The, match, the matches were going on in Ellis Auditorium. It was before the Mid-South Coliseum. The Ellis Auditorium, and they had their matches. They had their your your uh, stay, your regular crowds on the bottom, but up top was a very narrow balcony where all the black people who wanted to watch wrestling could sit. And they called that Crow's Nest. All people that were up there. Well, because of the popularity of Sputnik Monroe and bringing all these black fans there, the Crow's Nest would fill up and they'd be turning thousands of black people away from the wrestling match. Meanwhile, all this, the ground section where all the white people sat, sat had plenty of room that no one was sitting at. And so the promoters... Uh, where one of them went to Roy, he said, uh, Roy, we got a problem here. He goes, what's the problem? He goes, well, we're turning away thousands of people here, and we still have seats in the building. So why that? He said, well, there are black fans coming. So because we can't have black fans sitting with white fans, we'll start a riot. And Roy said, last I checked, making money was riot-proof. So let's find a work, work way around that. At this time, Sputnik Monroe was on TV saying, 
well, if you won't let my black fans come see me, I don't even want to wrestle for you guys anymore. I'm gone. So that didn't sit well with Roy, and it didn't sit well with other wrestling fans. So when Sputnik went back to Beale Street, which he is now a regular now, and he went with another wrestler who was a friend of his, uh, they were arrested January 13th, 1960. Sputnik Monroe was arrested by the Memphis police on the charge of public mopery, which is a fancy word for seeing loitering or trespassing. He was arrested and made all the newspapers, made every newspaper in Tennessee. They still, the Memphis was arrested for being in a black bar. And he was put in jail, and he had to appear in court. So Sputnik Monroe hired himself a lawyer, Russell P. Sugarman, who was a character in, of, in and of himself because he dressed just like a Russell P. Sugarman would dress. Loud clothes, big, fat, green tie. And Russell P. Sugarman and Sputnik Monroe I should say, became the first white man ever to be defended by a black man in Memphis, Tennessee. That had never been done before. A black man had never represented a white man in a court of law. And that's what happened. And Russell P. Sugarman stood up before the court and asked the judge and the arresting officers, what exactly was the charge? You said it was Mopri. Was it, he was, was he standing around to too long? It's a public place. It's a bar. So that's, that's right. Was he causing a disturbance? Was he loud? Was he throwing chairs? Was he causing a rocket? No. Was he sitting down at a dining table? Because no, he was standing at a bar. So what exactly is the charge? And the officer kind of broke down and said, well, basically it was that he was a white man in a black bar, in a black part of town. But Russell P. Sugarman took it upon himself to cite a Supreme Court law, Dan. It said in the Supreme Court, the law was a white man could eat in or drink in any establishment in the country he wanted, including a black bar. <laughs> black man couldn't do that. Black person couldn't do that. Man or woman. Yeah. But the Supreme cited the Supreme Court that a white man can eat in any eat or drink in any establishment he so chooses. So that's how Sputnik Monroe got off from his arrest January thirteenth, nineteen sixty. It's amazing that that it worked out that way. <laughs> the law that was <laughs> segregating black and white people was the law part of the law that got him out of trouble. That's so yeah. stupid. And once and the rest is history. Once his release came out, uh, Roy Lee Welch saw the groundswell of support for him. Let open the uh, Ellis Auditorium to everyone, black people and white people, for the first time we're sitting together. And he had sold out crowds from all the people that couldn't get in before in the crow's nest that were turned away can now walk in and seat alongside. And there were no riots. There was no yeah, – and there was – obviously, there were fights with the fans and the, against the bad guys, but there were no 
black and white, black versus white rise uh, within the crowd. Everything that they had feared did not come to pass. They just wanted to see wrestling. They wanted to support Sputnik Monroe, and that's what they did. Sputnik Monroe became more so of a – not only did he uh, wipe out Jim Crow wrestling in Memphis and in the South, uh, he became a, a touchstone and a uh, a hero to kids of all ages. You look back in old yearbook photos in Tennessee, Nashville, Memphis, high schools in the early 60s, mid-60s, you would see kids black and white with a little white stripe down their hair because trying to copy Sputnik Monroe. Um, there was a um, one of uh, Sam, Sam Phillips' kids, the owner of Sun Records, they were huge fans of Sputnik Monroe. And I remember seeing um, an old black woman coming up to Sputnik Monroe. This is after he had been retired for many years. Uh, came up to him and said, I love wrestling, but I couldn't get up to the crow's nest because I walk with a cane and I couldn't get up there. It's because of you I could sit on the floor and enjoy wrestling. And that wouldn't have happened because of you. And that's the only time they ever saw Sputnik Monroe cry. And, Dan, if you ever go down to the Rock and Soul Museum in Memphis, Tennessee, and you'll see displays of Elvis Presley, B.B. King, Ray Charles, Johnny Cash, you will also see in a prominent display the ring jacket and boots of Sputnik Monroe. Wow. I did not know that. Yes. That is how – it's crazy how that was – I mean, that's a big deal. The the whole story that you told is amazing. But to be able to get next to Cash and – or get in the same building as Cash and Elvis, man. And he didn't even have to steal anything from the black man like uh, uh, Elvis did. <laughs> nope. I said it. <laughs> oh. Yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But yeah, January 13th, 1960 was when uh, the most popular heel, I should say, in in wrestling in Tennessee did Garlic Mowbray for drinking in an all-black bar. Now, I don't want you to end your your segment yet. Mm -hmm. I still want you to, because that's all you have, right? That is all I have. Okay, so I'm going to call an audible and actually add something. So I still want you to end it when we're done. Okay. But I wanted to add one more thing. And I really feel bad because that's a good place to end the wrestling historian <laughs> because of the timing of the other BS that happened this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. But I feel you knowing me as well as you do, we must talk about this. We must talk about this. The next day, and I'm going to say something that's going to make me feel really old. You being the young-looking man that you are are going to laugh at me. Mm-hmm. On January 14th, 2001, uh, also known as WCW Sin, <laughs> was the day that some moron convinced Sid Vicious into jumping off the top rope and snapping his leg in two because a guy who's 6'11 needed more aerial offense. And that was the day Sid Vicious became the Joe Seisman of professional wrestling. Oh, man. And, and and first of all, 20 years. 20, I was 17 
Maybe. I'll do the math later. I was either turning 17 in August or had turned 17. I think I was 16 mm-hmm. when this happened. And uh, and uh, the the point I love bringing about it, the pay-per-view is a pretty good pay-per-view. The main event is a garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those convoluted things where they were sticking so much into it, and then they missed the leg break because they're revealing the fact that this guy who's been hooded beating the crap out of people for a month was freaking Road Warrior Animal. So on top of the fact that you're like, oh, it's Animal. <laughs> Great. On top of that, you have a man laying in the ring with his foot flopping like this. <laughs> This leg from <laughs> the right ang- the right angle. Yeah, hanging like this while they're kicking him. I, they miss it. They don't. But, and then the PS to that is the other best part about it is, is on Nitro they're like, hey, the thing you didn't see last night that's going to take sit out of action for about a year and a half. We're going to show it to you in slow motion <laughs> on on TNT. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, of all the things like. I I never turned away from it because I was like, wow, I'm fascinated that a leg can do that. Yeah. And just bounce right back into place. Um, of all the things I've seen and all the nasty shit I've seen, mm-hmm. I've never gotten queasy watching wrestling. It just doesn't bother me. And I think it was because I looked down right at the moment it happened and then looked up and saw it, and it kind of took yeah. me by surprise. But remember when Brock Lesnar elbowed um, Randy Orton in the face and just yeah. – Randy Orton yeah. sits up and all oh, this blood pools out. Mm-hmm. Randomly got a sick stomach to that. I didn't throw up, but I was like, oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> Just, yeah. But this, I was absolutely blown away. At, I was like, the body can do that? Like, that's insane. And then years later, you find out that I still, you and I have debated Sid, uh, Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious mm-hmm. for years. I like Sid. There was a whole lot of nothing in ring, but I liked Sid. He didn't have to do a lot. He was six yeah. goddamn eleven. It didn't matter. He had a personality. We could debate. He couldn't talk, but it didn't matter. He had a personality. He didn't need eighteen moves. He had seven. Yeah. He had eight. That's it. That's all you needed. He could still go. That was it. The fact that somebody argued with this dude that he needed aerial offense. When you're six eleven, still baffles me to this day. <laughs> and the one they came up with was the one, the thing, the one thing that would have got him injured in the first place, yeah. which was a single-legged leg dive, leg drop. Or, or he kick. was doing a super kick off the second rope. Yeah, just do yeah. a second cr- clothesline. You're six eleven. Exactly. Of all the things he said no to, he didn't go, you're an asshole. I'm not doing that. Oh, it just baffles me to this day. I had to mention it. Not only is it the third to last pay-per-view in WCW history, but all the cert- – easily avoided. <laughs> easily yeah. avoided. And here we're talking about it 20 years later. Great. And it's the uh, – and speaking of 20 years later, uh, interesting note about that, that – pay-per-view WW Sin, which they have never done. They've never as a first, last, and only. Thank God. But uh, here's a callback. That was the last ever WCW match for Goldberg. Did he lose that? That's right. He did lose that one. That was his last one. Yes, that's right. What a... 
I'm listen. I'm on the Bobby Heenan thing uh, mm-hmm. as far as um, Goldberg goes. Goldberg should have never lost. No. Ever. 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 Mm-hmm. What else did you have? Yeah. Apparently nothing. <laughs> um. Yeah. Wow. Just wow. Yeah, I got nothing else to say. I just thought that's an honorable mention for the wrestling historian. Uh, because it's the, because nobody remembers WCW Sin. They remember Sid yeah. snapping his fucking leg. Yeah. And, and, the, that, and that's probably why, because Sin right. will always be, be remind you, Sin is the, the, the leg break. It's, the it's Joe not Sides a bad pay-per-view, but it's generally no. easily to be forgotten. Yes. Except you have Snap, Crackle, Pop. Yes, and that's why there's only been the, the first, last, and only WCW Sin pay-per-view that that's ever been. That's one of the reasons, sure. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and that's it. I just uh, I, I, I just want to point out to people that the reason, the only reason you didn't see a bunch of gore is because of his tall boots. Yeah. If he was wearing shorter boots and not his pants, mm-hmm. there is some – I don't know if they'd ever be able to show it. No. Because exactly. his bone broke through his leg. It was a he compound fracture. Out of his skin. Yeah. Compound fracture. They yeah. have a new name for it 20 years later. I don't care. I'm calling it a compound fracture. So that means you would have seen his bone sticking out of his leg. That's how close that was, folks. Very ugly. In fact, the reason why it bounced – snapped back into place, quote, unquote, or fell back into place, because the boot was on. Yeah. Oh man, I just in the replay you just see him lean down towards his legs. Oh my god! Because and he's in shock because the adrenaline's flowing. Yeah, I'm sure he felt it, but he didn't. Oh god, unbelievable! That was uh, 20 years ago. Please take take. Ah, well, I was just looking for a break, Dan. See how? See what I did there? Just mm-hmm. jump in. Hold but, on. Oh, my, there's water, too much water in it to make it rim. <laughs> there. <laughs> okay, I was like, that's not going to make a rim shot. Hey, folks. Uh, and that is the Wrestling Historian. And you can follow me. Craig Lagans, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S, on all social media platforms, namely Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. What you don't see is how professional Craig is uh, behind the scenes and how you'll never see it cut, but it was, which is his seamless. His magic, my magic. HIC Talk Radio. I want to shout out Mark Thompson, who talked us into doing the show last week, who had a scheduling change in his personal life at a shoot job. So when he'll be back, we don't know, but he is always welcome. He is a family member. He is family. And that is a connection I never want to lose again. So some random week, you might see Mark pop up, or he might figure out a way to do it again. But uh, shout out to Go Thompson on Twitter. Uh, Go, go. Go, go. Go, go, Mark. Um, Follow me on Twitter, Daniel83. All social media platforms, actually. Also on Twitch, which you're watching now. On YouTube, which you'll probably watch later, but you're technically watching now. If you're seeing this on YouTube, Daniel83 is my point. BCNation.com on your smartphone. On your podcast app on your smartphone. BOC Nation Radio Network. Type that in. 
You'll find all of our podcasts there. There's hundreds of other podcasts. Bill After, it's the official home of Bill Goddamn After. Exactly. VOCNation.com. For Craig Lagans and the non-broken leg of myself, let's go Flyers. I'm Dan Calchico. We'll see you next week. Good night. This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Since 2012, HIC Talk Radio has been bringing you the best of independent wrestling and wrestling on the worldwide scale with interviews and other segments now featuring the Wrestling Historian with Craig Lagan. Every Thursday night at 6 p.m. at VOCNation.com or go to your Android or iPhone and type in VOC Nation Radio Network and subscribe to the greatest wrestling podcast network in the world. Listen to HIAC Wrestling Podcasts today. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And, of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And, by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOCNation. Hola, this is your amiga, Shelly from Cali. To let you know, you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.